Barukata Donai Elohenu Melakaolam Asher Bachar Bin Veim Tovim Beratza Vedivrehim Hane Emarim Beemet Barukata Donai Haboker Batora Uv Moshe Avdo Uv Israel Amo Uvin Vie Ha Emet Vazedek Viskut Mashiach Yeshua Amen. Well, shalom, everybody. We'd like to welcome you to the Haftarah podcast for Parasha Korah. This is my Kala's Parasha this week, so shouts out to Mazel. And uh, I'm going to hand it over to Hasis, so take it away. I'm Rukshan. So, like Amit uh, mentioned, we were coming from Parasha Korah. Our half Torah is going to be in 1 Samuel 14. 11 to 14 through 12 to 22, if anyone wants to follow along. Uh, and so, you know, it's a really interesting half tour we have here. It's all about the renewal of the, the kingship, right? And this is something new. I mean, if you're familiar with your, your Tanakh and all that, and you've heard about all the kings, but this is really the beginning of it all. And Shmuel, the prophet Shmuel, actually is the one who composed composed this sefer, and he was like the turning point in all these new eras, like the era of prophets, the era of kings. He was like the, the pivotal point for that. Mm. And so we got a few characters. We got Shmuel. This is the miracle child, if you will, of Hana, and one of the the main uh, prophets. And you got Shaul who is, in this half tour, is, is kind of a minor character, but one of the more interesting characters of all Tanakh. Um, and he's being appointed. And, of course, you got Hashem and Ahmed Zrael. And so these are our key players. Nice. So a few concepts as we are going into um, this whole idea of the prophets and kings. The whole idea of the the prophets is you have these two two different sections and there's two types if you will there is like the prophets as we think of them as navis and these were the people who were really like spiritually guiding the nations they were the ones who would be kind of this checks and balance system for the kings who might abuse their power in times we see that often in in these half tours the prophet goes to rebuke them and there's a there's a type of prophet also known as a seer and you, the name kind of implies that they were actually able to see into people, into their, um, into their, uh, their character, their mind, everything about them. They have this deep, deep insight into that person and will be able to guide them through that. Hmm. And uh, Shmuel is actually described as both of these. Cool. And what's very interesting, I think we mentioned this before, but it's worth re-mentioning. <clears throat> um, because Shmuel was like this turning point of all these, the era of prophets. And, you know, we have in Megillah 14a that Chazal mentioned that there were twice as many prophets in the centuries and the centuries before the destruction of the first temple as the number of Jews who left Mitzrayim. Wow. So you're literally looking at, you know, the lowest number, six million prophets. Mm. So, you know, that's, you know, we think of prophets being like kind of you know, these rare individuals that show up. But back before the, the first Behemekas was destroyed, you know, there's like, you had like six million prophets. You had academies for prophets. Um, but why we only have, we're not missing necessarily missing anything in our Tanakh, um, why we have the 48 
prophets throughout scripture is because their words actually stand for all generations. And so if anyone tries to tell you, okay, this can't be about Mashiach because it's about this guy in this certain time period. Well, they don't understand the, the fundamentals of what Chazal actually say about the prophets. Hmm. And so just a little apologetics knows about, you know, uh, if you find Mashiach in the, in the prophets, you know, no one can say, Hey, that pertains to this specific time period because there are 6 million prophets, you know, all saying different things in their specific time period. But these 48 prophets spoke to every single generation and their rebukes and their warnings and their encouragements. Wow. Well, may I tag when you have a moment? Yes, go for it. First uh, Malachim chapter 19, verse 18 says that Hashem is speaking, basically. He says, I have reserved 7,000 in Israel. And at this time, the kingdom is obviously split. So we're not even talking about Yehuda at the moment. But Israel, the northern kingdom, if you think about the millions of prophets that we're talking about, there are at least 7,000 who haven't been given to idolatry. So if you really think about the majority, and again, going to the Aliyah day, how rabbis are talking about, normally the majority most likely is not on the right track. So if you think about the whole fact of the majority versus the remnant, more times than not, it is the remnant. <clears throat> and so you look at how these other prophets, as disturbing as this is, they could be on the level of Belam, which Belam was able to be a wonderful prophet, except he was very idolatrous. Kind of like this other part of the uh, the six million that are not a part of the 7,000 and however many there are in uh, Yehuda, that province. So anyway, just thought that was interesting talking about the, the number of prophets and then who's where and how many are actually not idolatrous you know yes yeah um you know it's just uh incredible you you mentioned like and we also mentioned this whole idea of like in the, the prophets of baal and have to back you know and Jezebel, and she killed all these righteous prophets of god and yes. and you see all these unrighteous prophets of of baal and ashroth and all that man I love the backdrop, though. So just told our Rabbah for that insight that paints very, very beautiful colors to the the part, this part of the Tanakh that is not uh, normally, you know, dove into. So. <laughs> so we have the Haftarah podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, well, do you, do you have anything to, to add? I'm looking for. One marker. If you have anything else to say okay. about it, this half tour or anything? Uh, well, I just I love looking at Shamuel. Uh, just looking at the Ivrit that you see that it's uh, Shemuel, like his name is El, like his name is God, basically. And you can tie that back to the altar that Yaakov built around Shechem, where this altar is called Hashem. And so you can kind of see how prophets being an altar connected to Yaakov, which connected to Shechem, province of Yosef, that is, 
that, you know, the whole wow. aspect of Mashiach being Yosef, the suffering servant, the Lamb of God, because that's what Yaakov is also called, and Shemuel, like that whole picture there. Well, you just like dropped a whole bunch of bombs. That's amazing. No? <laughs> so, yeah, definitely. Shmuel, like, like hearing, hearing a shim, you know, like today, if you'd hear his voice. Mm. And so, you know, okay, so uh, this idea of kings. All right. This idea of a king is essentially uh, the whole the whole concept of the queen king was not meant to be someone who goes in and, and conquers and captures. You know that was not the concept of king. Wow. The the whole goal of the king was essentially to be this this moral commander. Okay. And so you have the the, the goal not to be achieved as long as Israel. Uh, was fighting wars of conquest, talking about them being like the special set-apart nation. Um, the goal could not be achieved as long as Israel was fighting wars of conquest with the Canaanite nations, because at such a time, all but the most spiritual Jews would have looked at their king as a commander-in-chief who was supposed to be their leader in battle, not as their moral role model. That is why a moniker in Israel would have to wait until the land, all of it was possessed and settled. Mm. Nice. And so the king was essentially this idea of this moral leader who would guide them and refine them as as a nation. And so, you know, you look at uh, Yeshua as as this type of, of king. Right. You know, because what did he go around doing? He went around renewing people and guiding them in, in moral instruction. Because it's once people attach themselves morally to a Sims Torah, then that actually allows them to be successful in all their battles. You look at everything, every battle they won with where outnumbered, whatever, it's only because they attach themselves to a Shem's Torah. <clears throat> mm. So these are kind of this kind of backdrop of what, what a king is, what a prophet is, are, are two types of prophets mentioned. Um, we have different links to the Parsha. You know, we have um, this whole idea of Korach speaking up against Moshe. And in this half Torah, you have Shmuel, who is actually compared to Moshe and Aaron. He mentions some a line just like Moshe. He says, have I taken anyone's ox? Have I taken anyone's donkey? Right. You know, saying essentially, I, I'm guiltless of, of theft, you know, completely. And so he, he, throws, this, he, he throws this idea to the people. He's like, look, if, I, if I've done anything wrong in my entire time of leading you, let me know now, you know, and so he, he tells them at this point, because now they have a king who could actually administer justice, and they don't have to be afraid of this, this mighty prophet of God, um, because they have a king. <laughs> so, but yeah, and he is actually a, a grand, a great, great grandson, a descendant of Korach. Wow. And so it's interesting that the people, in a sense, they're uh, and Shmuel actually takes offense. He's like they're they're essentially rejecting me and you, Hashem, as as leader. And Hashem's like they're not rejecting you as leader; they're rejecting me. And it's interesting because Korak has this idea of being rejected, and he he sees with uh, you know his prophetic vision this whole idea that he's going to have this great descendant. That's why he thinks he's never going to perish. He feels invincible because he's this great descendant coming from him, which would be Shmuel, who anoints the two. Uh, the two first kings of Israel. Wow. And 
Shmuel actually ends up making this huge tikkun for his his ancestor Korak by uh, by you know re- rebuking the people and by actually taking all these insults to his honor, if you will. Wow. <laughs> and so, just this whole concept, you you know, you living a righteous lifestyle, it doesn't just affect you; it affects future generations, it affects past generations. Like, if you literally attach yourself to Torah, which is outside of time, then your influence can span uh, for eternity. I mean. So, um, it's very interesting that we have uh, this idea also of this idea of, uh, of a king shows up repeatedly. And yes, it mentions Saul in here. But mm-hmm. not all times does it mention king, or does it mention, he mentioned this whole, the Lord's anointed, but it doesn't always say who that is. And yes, little meaning is implied that it's, you know, it's Shaul, but sometimes the, the Torah and the Tanakh is ambiguous for a reason. Mm. And this whole idea of this unknown king, or this, this, this uh, Satan king, not Satan, but Satan with a mim. Okay. <laughs> it is this whole this is a whole is the name of Mashiach. This is identity, it's essence of who Mashiach is. What? And so yes. And so we, we, we've actually may have heard about this. I know uh, Rabbi did his did a, a series over Esther. And so we know that um, in the Purim story, you know, of Esther, every time the king is mentioned, it's not always referring to uh Achsharosh. Right. Right. And so this is the whole idea. And so a little background on this word stam is is taken from the vision in the book of Daniel. It refers to sealing up something. So it's like they have the clothes and sealing up something unknown or concealed. Oh it's also Lord. the idea that Mashiach ben Yosef, you know, who's, who's the Mashiach who's concealed. Wow. And so you have, uh, like Esther 1, 1, 10, on the seventh day when the heart of the king was married with wine. So the rule of thumb uh, from one Midrash is wherever it says in the book of Esther, King Achshrosh, it speaks of Achshrosh. And wherever it says Stam, Stam King, or King, just King, meaning unknown King, we don't know who it's referring to, it talks about the King of Kings. <laughs> and the King was married with wine is a reference to God who was married with the wine of Torah. Mm. That was being done at the time because there's a huge Teshuvah movement in the Esther story. And so it's interesting later, later on, uh, or, you know, I guess earlier on, First Samuel, Two one says he will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed, and you know since there is no king in Israel when these words were spoken, we could actually assume that Hannah was prophesying about Mashiach. And actually, Radak says this: he says the king, this that king is Mashiach. And Hannah said it by way of prophecy or by way of um, a tradition, since she had a tradition that in the future Israel will have a king. Wow. And of course, Hannah is the the mother of Shmuel, who had actually anointed the king. And uh, Zohar also also comments on this idea from Telim eighty six sixteen. Turn to me and have mercy on me. Give your strength to your servant. And comment on this, the Zohar says, "This is the heavenly strength, which is wisdom." As it says, he will give strength to his king. And who is this king? Who is his king? This is king. This is the, the Psalm king, the unknown king, who is King Mashiach. And therefore, when it says here to your servant, it means King Mashiach, who is, as we said, Psalm king. That's from Zohar Laklecha 84a. 
And we mentioned earlier this idea of if you you have uh, a Tanakh and you're reading through the prophets, Nevi'im, then their words will speak of through all generations. And so this is how Mashiach can say, you know, they, they prophesied about me and everything in the, the Torah and the prophets and Psalms speaks about me. Wow. And so we have an instance of this in uh, Yeshia 9.7, where it says the increase of his government. The Hebrew spelling of increase, Marbei, has this final mem in it instead of a regular mem. That's right. And this is called the rim stuma, or sealed mem. And this is not a mistake. Everything's written in the Tanakh for a specific reason. And Arbavano says, says this on that. It says, because Hezekiah was ungrateful to God, he did not become Mashiach, which is why the mem of Marbei was sealed. And he highlighted this mem because it points to Mashiach, since his name begins with mem. And the sealing of this mem teaches that God opened up his treasures upon Hezekiah and sealed them when he became ungrateful. Man. And so, you know, the, the stem mem, this final mem, this, this secret mem, actually points to this unknown king who will be worthy to see, receive God's treasures. <laughs> uh, by the way, I've been uh, just trying to look at Satam. And if you do the atbash on it, it's Ahi. Like my brother. Oh, wow. That's As in, who is my mother and who is my brothers? Those who do the will of my father who is in Hashemite. Mm. So if you want to have a, a deep relationship with Mashiach, then you need to be abiding in, in Torah and walking it out. Ken. Because if not, Love it. he's not your brother and he's not your Satom. That's a point. That's a good point. All right. Um, Counting also on on these on this rebuke, if you will, of, of Shmuel, because it's the whole idea of one of one of the reasons why this was considered a negative thing. Because we have in the Torah this whole idea of this concept of the king and it's a mitzvot, um, but it was wrong, and it was wrong in different ways. One of the ways is that because um, the elders. Or we're saying they wanted a king to, you know, judge the nation, to guide them, which was a good thing, to unify the people. But the masses of people, they were wanting a king to be like the nations. And so, you know, there's a, there's a whole bunch of wrong in there. Um, but I want to focus on this whole idea of another concept, and that's they were wrong because it wasn't time for a king yet. Oh, it wasn't the correct time, and so there's this this slight rebuke that he has, um, mentioning these names of these judges because before Shmuel you had he's like the link between the judges period, and and the prophets. Come on, man, he's like the leader of a of a new era breaking forth, if you will. Wow, like a Zamas. So, yes. <laughs> So it mentions um, uh, of the six men who Shmuel mentioned. We have Moshe, Aaron, and Shmuel were among the Jewish uh, history's greatest leaders. And Gideon, Shimshon, and uh, Yiftach were among the least qualified. Mm. What they ha all had in common was that each of the undisputed leader of, was each was the undisputed leader in a generation. 
And similarly, the Jews of every generation must respect and follow the leader, just as they were the greatest prophet in our sage's words. Yiftak and his generation is like Shmuel and his generation. Hmm. Uh, but, you know, he, he mentions the idea like, hey, w- why do we need a king? These, these other people were actually really appropriate. They could have been kings, but we didn't need, we had no need for it. It's not time for it yet. Like, for example, you had Gideon, who was a descendant of Rachel. So he, he met the satisfaction of the requirement that the first king of Israel had to be a descendant of Rachel. You know, this whole Mashiach ben Yosef character. Good night. Uh, Shimshon possessed the might that a king must have. Um, then also you have the uh, the Yiftach. He had, you know, flaws in his background, which is actually, you know, prevents someone from becoming, becoming arrogant. Mm-hmm. And and so this is why he was in a position to, he could have been king. You know, you actually see that with, with Mashiach. You know, he, he's coming through a lineage of, of harlots. We talked about Rahav, uh, last Torah Portia, and Tamar. Yeah. And, you know, lastly, lest, lest they claim that the appointment of a king, uh, which had a, to proceed the building of the temple, had to wait until after the destruction of Shiloh, Shmuel's reign began after Shiloh. Thus, like all the men were, that he mentioned here is actually val- a valid candidate to be king. But Hashem said that the time was not right as of yet. Wow. You know, I just think it's it's interesting that Shmuel is compared to and even said to be equal then or greater than Moshe and Aaron. Wow. And and in what way is this? And you actually see it in this this half Torah. He he mentions his name in the third person. And the commentary on that is it wasn't actually him speaking. It was the Shekhinah coming through his his uh, his mouth, if you will. And there's two other people who, for sure, this happened to. And this would be uh, Moshe, who the Shekhinah, the very presence of God, would just uh, flow through his voice. And also, it's mentioned that the Kohen Gadol on Yom Kippur, it wouldn't necessarily be him saying the divine name. It would be the what? The Shekhinah. And who would be who is the first Kongadol ever? Mim to the tip. Well, on a parsha level. Well, on <laughs> a level. on a yes, <laughs> inside space and time level, yes, uh, Aharon. <laughs> yes, but if you want to drop some that mintet, you know, go for it. Well, I was just gonna say that. Oh, you want me to do it now, or you want me to wait? It, it, you can do it now if you want. But, okay. I was just going to say just real quick that uh, that is brought down in Parsha Vayikra because we learned that the Korbanot actually start in Hashemayim with offering the souls of the righteous on the Mizbeach in Hashemayim. That's done by the the uh, the way the Oral Torah puts it. It's done by Memtet. It's done by Mikael. It's, and it's just kind of like, okay, is it Memtet or is it Mikael? It's just like, well, Mikael, his name literally means who is like a Shem. And remember, <laughs> you know, the whole thing where if you've seen me, you've seen the father. So, you know, you can go back and forth on that. But this is literally how, you know, the original temple service went, which is the way it's going to go back to in the time to come to where we literally offer our souls on the altar, you know. And so... 
there's a, a beautiful uh, teaching that uh, actually Zal, the winter soldier of our group, he brought down about we will offer our animal soul as the final offering before we enter into where we're only bringing Thanksgiving offerings and things like that, as opposed to having to continue to do the sin offerings and things like that. So uh, you offer up your animal soul. This is kind of a, a little bit of a picture of what that was like, you know, how we do ourselves as a living sacrifice. And the temple service that we had and that we will return to actually help us practice for that ultimate sacrifice where we do finally cut off our animal soul and we become something brand new that no eye has seen, no ears heard. So that's all I got. Love it. No, you can't just end that with saying that's all I got. That's not not right. Uh, Like the end. (laughs) (laughs) No, No, it's not story time. Just, I don't know. Okay. So, you know, this, this whole, that was amazing, by the way, but this whole idea of, since you're breaking through and, and these, these tour ideas, I want to talk about this whole idea of breaking through because we have, uh, it mentioned Shmuel was the pivotal point in like this new, uh, this, the whole revolution, this whole point. It was like, uh, breaking through into a new era. Mm. And it's interesting you mentioned that there were 48 prophets. Right. And, and according to, you know, Chazal, these are main, main prophets. And this is interesting because this links up with an, an avot, avot, which mentions there's 48 traits to acquire Torah. Mm. And that's what the prophets did. They led people toward Torah. All right. Wow. And, you know, if we're leading toward Torah, Right? What's the what's the day of the Torah? Mm. It's you know Shavuot, and we count forty nine days. Oh, man! Right? Right? And so we have these these forty nine days building up to the Torah, and until the fiftieth day, we actually receive the Torah, and Hashem is is our like essentially our king. You know, it's also there's a midrash that says we get crowns from the angels uh, on the day that the Torah was given. Right. Wow. And it's interesting because Yeshua mentions this idea. He says, you know, so this like whole idea of, okay, well, you said forty-eight prophets, so we're forty-nine days until Shavuot, right? So where does this forty-nine come to play? And so you could say, you know, hey, there's there's also one prophet that's said to come before Mashiach, which is <laughs> Eliyahu. Yeah. Right. Yep. And also mentioned that, you know, Eliyahu is referred to as Melechi, right? And we did that whole drosh about the whole Melechi. We went on for like an hour just on that name. How it <laughs> refers to Memtet, the, the angel, uh, Michael, right? Right. And so, you know, Yeshua, Yeshua says this. He says the, the, king of, for, the king of heaven, you know, is breaking forth. And up until Yochanan, you know, it's been breaking forth. And, the and so you have, have this whole idea. Force. What's that? Oh, and the violent have the taken violent it take by Yep. Yes. And so if you count, you have this idea of the whole the king of heaven breaking forth. Mm. And it's been prophesied up until Yochanan. Up until Yochanan, that would be the, the 49th prophet oh, corresponding to the 49th day. And then you have the 50th, mm. this whole idea of renewal, right? Which would, which would be the Mashiach, which would be Yeshua. Wow. 
you know, and, and, you know, it's just, it's instrumental. So there, there's, there's the whole King and it's that, that concept is amazing because Yeshua equated, you know, the, the kingdom of heaven mm-hmm. with the messianic days. And so by him, him, but he, he never just nearly just referred to them as messianic days, but he, he would equate it with that. And so he was essentially, um, verifying himself as Mashiach. Wow. And so, you know, just this whole idea of breaking forth into a new era. There's also, you know, support for what Yeshua says later on in the Basura. I think it's, it's really interesting that if we go back, it says to the very, very beginning of our half Torah, it says, Shmuel said to the people, let's go to Gilgal and renew the monarchy there. Hmm. All the people went to Gilgal. They all willingly confirmed Shaul as king before God in, in Gilgal, and they slaughtered peace offerings there before God. Shaul and all the people rejoiced greatly. Hmm. And so what actually happened on Shavuot did, you know, what happened to the tablets? They became what? They became Completely shattered. shattered, right? Mm-hmm. And so this whole idea of, of this renewing actually begins with this destruction. And wow. it's interesting there because they go to Gilgal. This is all talking about Mashiach and Yosef. You know, Shaul was a descendant of Rachel. Right. Um, and so it's talking about renewing the kingdom. And we're talking about the kingdom being breaking, breaking forth because Shmuel was the leader in all this, this whole prophetic generation right wow. and prophesying to a point what was he prophesying to mashiach and it says he renews the kingdom in gilgal well gilgal is related to a certain word that we're familiar with and that would be gilgatha cool gilgatha does yes. mean the skull or the head yes and so you know, also this context, Gilgal, so it's kind of the, the idea of rolling away. We mentioned this before. This is a place where Yochanan circumcised B'nai Israel before entering into the land, before crossing over and being renewed in the land. Wow. Right? Right. And so this whole idea of renewing the kingship, the, 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 the kingship of what? The kingdom of heaven, which is riddled throughout uh, Jewish literature, by the way. It's not just, it's not a Christian term. Um, but that comes at Gilgatha. The breaking, the shattering of the tablets, and it was the living Torah, Mashiach. Wow. The other cool thing about Gilgal is it literally means a circle of stones, kind of like what Yaakov encountered when he came to Har Moriah, and he had the vision of the ladder, the dream, which oh wow, the ladder is equated with the Mount, the Mount or uh, Mount Sinai. They have the same gematria, Sulam and Sinai, which also has the same gematria as body of the Son of Man. Or upon the Son of Man. Body of the Son Upon. Upon the Son of Man? Yes. So that phrase... Like Al bin Adam? Ken. Like uh, the angels, you'll see angels ascending and descending upon the Son of Man, just like he saw on the ladder, and just like we saw with the Lapidot on Har Sinai, so yeah, all of that. Wow. And it's interesting too, I just wanted to take a moment to point out this uh, kind of awkwardness that uh, Gilgal is used uh, in context of Gilgul, 
which uh, is along the lines of the teaching of reincarnation. And so uh, we as Lapide do not subscribe to that. And I know that kind of gets awkward, but uh, as far as the concept and the understanding of the cycling of a soul, do we really fully know any of that? No. <laughs> but what we can say is that um, the word that's being used is actually from Gilgal, which is all about a circle and wheels and things like that. And if you literally use the dictionary of the Targumim, it says that it means to overturn, like as in rolling a decision in a court case. So anyway, for what that's worth, just wanted to put that out there so that we have a little bit more uh, pun intended wheels on our car uh, learning about the different uh, terminologies that are used. So. And, and so you, you mentioned this whole idea of like all been a dom. Mm -hmm. And we mentioned it before, but it's worth me mentioning that, you know, Benadam, like upon the sun, Ken. is one one like the sun, one like a son of man was coming. And this is allusion to King Mashiach, which is a David to Daniel 7.13. <sighs> and you're connecting that to the ladder, which is essentially this whole, this bridge between heaven and earth. Hmm. Right. And hmm. when did that happen? That happened at the giving of the Torah, the renewing of Hashem's kingdom. Wow. And which was also at Sinai. There is in a vote, <laughs> it mentions in a in Pirkei vote that says Moshe, Moshe acquired the Torah, learned, learned the Torah. And it doesn't say from Hashem, it says uh, Miss Sinai, like from Sinai. Mm. And literally, if you rearrange the letters and taking one of those Yuds as like the first letter of Hashem's name, you says from, essentially, the Lord is my banner. Good night. Uh, furthermore, there's there's a midrash that that mentions that you know Moshe was taught the the Torah from Memtet. Oh my goodness! Further quoting, you know Memtet with the with the banner of Hashem, the one <laughs> whose name is in him, <laughs> and so Hashem's manifestation essentially, you know, teaching us, and so this is the this is the renewing of the kingdom. <laughs> And that banner is yeah. going to be on him, like it says, when he's going to come on the white horse. Yes. There's going to be a name written on him, a <laughs> degel, a banner. And, you know, what's, what's, what's unique about this Hathorah is there's, there's not really a fine line between uh, Ashim and Shmuel. Hmm. Right? It's, it's constantly mentioned this whole this king, this idea of his, his anointed. It mentions this idea of Hashem's voice speaking through him. And wow. Uh, you, you looking for your place? Uh, yeah. So this, okay. um, Wow, that's hard. I completely lost my train of thought there. Oh. Oh, hold on. Um, bring it back. Bring it back. Okay, just we were mentioning this idea of of from Sinai, this whole idea of um Minisi. Yes. Oh well, we might have to touch back on that later. <laughs> oh. Sorry about that. That's okay.
Well, I was just going to say that, you know, when you look at Shamuel and you're talking about Hashem is speaking through him, you know, um, I believe one of the, well, I know, I just don't remember why I read it because it was a while ago. But one of the first things about being a, a Navi, if you're going to truly be a Navi, nothing you do can be of your own words, your own will. So essentially, Hashem has to speak through you if you're a Navi. So that's kind of one of the baselines uh, as far as a qualifier of being a prophet. Yes. Yeah, and these these were people also like completely like refine themselves. You know. So yep. um Well should we transition to a different point or what are you thinking? Uh yeah, we could transfer to a different different topic. Well, if you need a moment, I actually have a whole like explosion that went off in my head. Go for it. Okay, so we're talking about upon the sun and Memtet teaching Moshe the Torah. Well, first of all, let me start with Legends of the Jews because this source is just absolutely insane. It's a, comp a compilation of Midrashim, and I wish I knew all the Midrashim that they put together. Because the first thing we need to know that Mount Sinai and Mount Moriah used to be Kol Echad, like one mountain. So they split up actually after the Akedah. So the reason why the Torah is given out Mount Sinai is because the sun was literally offered on the mountain when it was together. And so when we talk about renewing of the kingdom and bringing us back to the land, well, we have to get... Sinai to come back to Moriah, which is why we go to Mount Sinai to receive the Torah and then go take that back to Mount Moriah and build the temple. And so um, that's kind of the first thing. So when these two mountains will come back together, uh, I don't know if that is something that is supposed to happen. But if you really think about uh, the mountain being lifted up and placed over us as a hoopah, and how we carry that into the land, you know, it's at least the semblance of it, not necessarily that we're carrying the whole mountain. Or maybe we are, because if we're up on, you know, Mashiach, if if we're literally his body, then I mean, that's again, upon the son of man, Sulam, mm. the ladder, you know, and things like that. And so the other thing, too, is there is a rabbi, uh, Ben Zion, I think is his name. So Bezrat Hashem, that is it. But uh, he dropped this whole chidush, this teaching, this beautiful thought uh, two years ago, talking about Parsha um, Vayetze, because that Torah portion is actually corresponding to Shavuot on the fall section of the calendars. And so when you look at how in the summer, the spring and all that, and then you got the fall and the winter, take the calendar, cause it is a circle, like a Gilgul, like a wheel or a cycle. And you split that circle in half, like an orange, you know, you got your orange slice over here, your orange slice over here. Well, you got your Shavao, your Pesach and everything over here in the, the spring and the summer. And then in the fall and the winter, you have Shavuot corresponding to Parsha Vayetze, 
which is when uh, Yaakov has the dream of the ladder that has the same gematria as Sinai. And so, wow. I mean, he was bringing down this whole thing where, you know, you really look at what's actually going on during this whole process of, uh, you know, Vayetze, which is, by the way, the same terminology used for what Hashem did. Yep, we are way out of time. Rebuking it. Okay, but anyway, um, this is the same term used for Hashem delivering us from Egypt. It is a Yotze. And so we look at our Zitzit and we talk about... Ani Adonai Elohekam Asher Hodzeti. Like, I am the one who delivered you. You know, and so Vayetze, like Yaakov is being delivered, you know, and he has to be delivered through the place where the sun is offered and where the Torah is given. So when you put the sacrifice of the sun with the giving of the Torah, Literally bringing those together, you laying down your life in all of that. And then you being placed into the body of the son who is offered. And then the tablets are actually called uh, light because the word saphir actually comes from the word to emanate light. And so we're not really talking about stones necessarily, just like in the Ark of Noah, it wasn't really a stone as much as it was a window or a light mm. or an opening. And so it's, yes, there's a lot to it, you know? And so I was just thinking about all this as you're talking about Shamuel and Gilgul and renewing the kingdom, like the renewal of the kingdom happens like all at once, but in different parts of the year. And so you look at how all of these different uh, points in time, they actually link up and form a circle, which is like a crown. And so if you're missing one point in that crown, your your kingdom is is uh, it's a little it's a uh, it's not really there. You know, it's kind of struggling. Yes. <laughs> and a king with a wow. broken crown, you know, that's the issue. But anyway. So you have all of your festivals, you have to go through every single one. It's like a step, you know, and this is why when we go around the calendar with the Torah portions, you know, you complete a circuit, which is what we do at uh, Simchat Torah. We dance in circles and circuits with the Torah and Hashanah Rabbah. We circle the Bema. We do circuits around it, you know, and so everything is about the circle and the the kingship, the crowning. We cast those crowns. So anyway. This is this is why we, we place the crown on, on Mashiach as execution stake. Oh, to, to know that he is like the Gilgah. He is like we're all circles back to. And we're all, and why it goes through him is to be renewed because he is the Torah that can recreate reality. Mm. And you know, Baruch Hashem, he uh, returned my thoughts to me. This whole idea of, of Shmuel and Hashem, their lines are, are blurred, right? The, the Shekin is speaking through him. This whole idea of this Mashiach, this King, right? Mm-hmm. And what do you have at Yeshua at the execution stake, right? Above, above his sign. Oh come on! You know, on. if you read it, King King of the Jews, yes. right? And in Hebrew, you would read it vertically as you'd see Yud Ke Vav Ke. Yes. And so here's like, here, who is who is your king? It says who who is the king in this Taftor that they were really really defined? Mm. Who is the king that they didn't wait for? 
it was it was Melech Mashiach. Oh. It was it was Hashem's manifestation of Mashiach, so he could teach them right from Sinai. Interesting. Yes. You mentioned from Sinai that could be rearranged from uh, mm. from Ness from Ness Yud. Yes. Right. Nesi Yud from my banner Hashem. Mm. And so, who you know who the banner of the Lord. Right, yes. the Lord's Lord's banner that was set up is actually Mashiach on the execution stake. Wow, you know, and so this is the point where it becomes renewed, like back at Sinai, back at Moriah, like you're you're talking about. I love and it. And so, oh this is man. that's the point of renewal. That's the point of renewing the kingship. This is the king they did not wait for. You know. Wow. Well, first of all, I want to bless Hashem so much for returning your thoughts to you. So, Hashem, bless you. Thank you so much. Wow. Well, I restarted the timer for our uh, practical takeaways. So, um, I know we kind of lost a little bit, but... Perfect. What do we got? What do we got on our time so far? Well... Like 15 minutes? 10 minutes. You want to do, yeah, we'll do, we'll do 15. Cause I know 10 minutes, we just going to rebuke that right now. So <laughs> do it. Okay. <laughs> 15 and you're up and All right. go. So practical takeaways. Um, this, this whole half tour is really about, you know, this, this whole idea of, of who, who is, who is your King? Who are you trying to make King in your life? And, you know, just kind of give us the thought of, of who is king in our life. Mm. And, you know, just on a, a side note subtitle of that, I want to mention this whole idea of humility. And, you know, because Shmuel was, was known as being, he was so focused on Shem, he didn't care what anybody thought. Um, Saul was, especially at the beginning of his reign, when he gets anointed king, you know, he was he was known as being extremely extremely humble. Wow! And so this whole idea of of humility is this this idea of of Hashem is going to be Hashem is going to be with you because he's with with the the broken the, like the humble and he's going to exalt you. And so what is humility? It's essentially this whole idea of of serving Hashem. It's not about being lowly or being pushed over or anything like that. You know, it's about it's about simply serving Hashem. This is how Shmuel can be this this humble prophet who's so close to God and rebuke the people. You know, um, this is why you know if, if someone, you know, uh, says something to I guess uh, well, I won't necessarily use that. We we'll go with the story time since we haven't used one. Oh, little, little quick story time. All right, hit it. So there's the uh, Balsham Tov. And a story of Baal Shem Tov. And there's this rich man who is, you know, he has, he's known for hosting people and doing these wonderful meals. And here's this, this great say of Baal Shem Tov is in town. And, you know, he wants to invite him in because he, this rich man has everything except he doesn't have a son to pass on his, his wealth and his Torah knowledge to. Hmm. And so he invites a Baal Shem Tov in and he says, maybe he could give me a bracha and I could, I could have a son to carry on my lineage. And, you know, they talk, they discuss, they're, they're eating, discussing the Torah. And he brings up this, this request to the Baal Shem Tov. And Baal Shem Tov gives him his bracha. And, you know, following day, it's, it's known that this man has a son, that his wife is pregnant. And there's this heavenly voice that breaks forth. 
and it says, you have lost, towards the, towards the uh, Baal Shem Tov, it says, you have lost your place in Lam Haba. Mm -hmm. This man was never destined to have a son, and you, you took advantage of your, your spiritual position, and you've granted this man a son when he was not, that was not in the works for him. So therefore, you've lost your position in Lam Haba. I'm completely disowning you, essentially. Wow. And, you know, you, you think, wow, you know, I, I was reading the story and I just started feeling really heavy. I'm like, oh, man, you know, it's, it's awful. Yeah. Uh, but that was not the Belshim Toe's reaction. You know what he started doing? What? He started singing and dancing and praising Hashem. He says, now I know that all my mitzvahs will be Hashem uh, Shemayim, Hashemayim, for the sake of heaven. Now I know there's no taint of, of selfishness in my mitzvah. I'm doing it purely for the sake of Hashem. This is humility. This is humility. You don't, you don't care about being humble to be close to Hashem or, or being a, a good Jew or doing all these mitzvahs to enter in La Haba or be closer, you know, uh, to Mashiach. You know, you, you do it simply because you, you want to serve Hashem and you want to uplift people with you. Wow. And there's, there's no selfishness. It's all about focusing on Hashem, not on yourself. Um, and so this is the whole idea of, of how, how we can truly make crown Hashem king in the most ideal way. It's by exhibiting that level of humility. Mm. Um, and so the other idea is this whole idea of, of kingship and who do we make king in our life is really like, you know, where do we, where do we spend our time? Yep. You know, this whole idea of, you know, just, just use example, you know, if, if you're, you know, say you watch like an hour, hour of, of TV or, or whatever, you know, or play our video games, whatever this thing is, I'm just using that example, then you want to spend at least double that amount in Torah. All right. I mean, you look at this whole idea, if you're, you know, sitting in front of a screen, it's not necessarily, you know, all your day, the half tour or, you know, a, a drosh, you know, um, then at, at the root of that, you are, you're letting like essentially mentalities and ideologies of, of the world who people who don't believe in Hashem or believe in something that's, that's hospitalum, like way counter to it. Mm -hmm. It's their ideologies that are being thrown into your home. You're learning their ideologies and th their beliefs and conversing with them, so to speak, or allowing them to converse to you. Woo. And so if, if you're going to allow, you know, that, into, that into your home, then you need to set up a system where you're, you're also allowing, you know, time to, to, for Hashem. Yes. You know, we get we get confused in our lives, and we don't have direction in our lives, and we have problems in our lives because you know it's it's like that scene in Eliyahu versus the the people who are watching Baal. Yep. Who are you going to choose? Mm. Who are you going to choose? You got all these different voices you're you're listening to, and so it's like who who is your king? Wow. Who is your king depends on where you invest your time, and so just you know have like that checks and balances system like we talked about with the navis and the kings. You know, have that balance system in your life. Like if, you know, you have uh, different hobbies, you know, where it's good or bad or, you know, might not necessarily be against the Torah, but you need to have that balance system. Like the prophet was balanced the king in order to make sure your, your life is directed to him and uh, dedicated to his kingship. Wow. 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 And more wow. Well, that was absolutely beautiful because, first of all, it's definitely uncomfortable because 
being in exile and having our day-to-day life and hearing things like this, uh, insights, teachings, and sometimes you want to hear them and sometimes you don't. You're just like, I, I thought I was doing fine. And it's just kind of like, well, maybe I need some improvement, you know, and Bezrat Hashem, may we all take it as needing improvement as opposed to, I just got beat down, you know, um, because Hasis, literally what you said is so like intricately important because sometimes we don't realize the intricacies that play a part of the bigger picture of our lives. Sometimes we think that, oh, this circumstance has come upon us and I'm reacting to this circumstance or I'm responding to this circumstance this way. And it's like, well, actually, before you even get to that point, all these other little details that are just like so interwoven into your life, that's actually the the root of what you actually need to pay attention to. Because if you really think about applying, you know, what we just talked, what you just talked about, I mean, that is super powerful and nobody uh, is as far as the kingdom of darkness and principalities. They don't want us to, to understand that and apply it. And so if emotions get stirred up, if feelings get hurt or ears close up, you know, Bezrat Hashem, open them back up <laughs> because yes. we need that. We don't understand the power sometimes that we have through the living Torah of Hashem. You know, this isn't just like a, a academic exercise. You know, it's like, okay, I just listened to you all the other day. Baruch Hashem going on about my day. It's like, no, 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 no. These are some important things that are going on on a soul level that you can't see. And remember, the things that we can't see are the things that are eternal. And those are the ones that are more real than what we think is real. So, yes. Understanding. And it doesn't necessarily. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just saying it doesn't necessarily have it happen to be. Uh, you don't necessarily have to be opening a book and have being a book all that time. You know that would be amazing. But right. you know it's mentioned by uh, of Rabbi uh, um, Nachman. My 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 Eshachayel is doing a little study in, into his life, and she was telling me about it. And as a child, he would still go out and play with the other children, yes. but his mind would be engrossed in Torah thoughts. Yes. And so, you know, we mentioned that one of the half towards like Shoal, when he went into the field before he go and attacking Amalek, you know, he was, he was thinking of, of the, the law of, you know, killing the, the, the heifer, um, for the, the unknown murder, mm. you know? And so it's just about, you know, you don't necessarily have to, being a book, if you're in a position where you can be, you can't be reading at a time, your mind can always be in, in something you remember, of a drosh you remember, or of a scripture you remember, or this whole Torah insight. Your mind can take you wherever you need to go. Amen. And so, you know, if you're not in a place necessarily, you don't have a book handy, you can always, you know, use your mind to, to uh, dive back into Torah. That is so beautiful. And it's, it definitely epitomizes what Rabbi has actually been talking about. Rabbi Griffin, uh, Lapid, Captain Israel, been uh, talking about as far as we don't get to hide out in the books. We don't get to hide out in, in Yeshivot. You know, we do have time for that. But then you go and engage the world. And remember, when you yes. look at engaging the world, you're not letting the world engage you. So 
again, that's kind of what, you know, you beautifully elucidated is don't let, don't let programming and, and media and things talk to you and converse you, you converse it, you know, you engage uh-huh. it, but you bring Torah into it. You infuse the mundane with the holy. So that the same Kedusha that you walk around with and the same awe that you walk around with in shul, you also carry into the grocery store. You carry into your workplace. You know, you don't have these little uh, ego waffle type scenarios where it's like, oh, I was a I was a super pious Jew over here. And then I'm like, hey, what up, Joe? You know what it is, what it does, you know, (laughs) no, you got the same composure everywhere you go because, you know, okay. So anyway, um, I just I just really love that. And so where I wanted to go is I just wanted to go back to Otbosh. Otbosh has kind of been my thing this week um, because apparently scientists are understanding that there is a mirror dimension and they're looking at experimenting to really. Yeah, this is ridiculous. Like Doctor Strange. Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, huh? No, I was just saying, wow. Keep going. I want to hear this. Yeah, so um, there's an article about it, and I'm not going to belabor us with it, but the long and short of it, or, wow, the long, no, the short of it is that um, they're not saying that there are, like, other people like us in this dimension, but just, uh, like, objects and things like that. So different particles and atoms and things like that. There's, like, a a little inverse little thing going on. And so I'm like, oh, you mean, like, Atbash? Because literally if you go right to left with the olive bet put a mirror underneath all of that and you have the olive bet reflected and what Atbash does is spell the olive bet backwards essentially so you have olive to tav on the top and then olive to tav going left to right on the bottom so tav is olive Sheen is bet, which is why it's called at bash, like olive tav, bet sheen. So when you really look at that, um, what ends up happening is you look at the word Gilgal and it becomes Raish Kaf, Raish Kaf. You know, and if you look at the gematria of Raish Kaf, Raish Kaf. It's actually Raish, which is 200, Kaf, which is 20, Raish, which is 200, Kaf, which is 20. Put that together, 200, 200, 20, 20, that is 440, right? So wow. 200 plus 20 is 220, plus 200, and then plus another 20. Okay, so anyway, 440. Now, if you look at 440, that is one in Gematria away from the word Amet which is 441. But that's not where I want to go because what happened at Gilgal was bringing the 12 tribes together, the 12 stones to the 440. So bring the 12 to the 440 because remember, Gilgal is a circle of stones. So the circle of stones, which is 12, now you take 440 and you make it 452, right? Mm-hmm. Well, guess what the gematria of 452 is? Yeshua ben David. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> uh, so, shouts out to Benny B for this, because I literally just got on his gematria page and was just like, there is something about this Gilgal and Atbash. So, 
he also puts on here it's uh, Bedimut, which is in the image, and Ruach le Yitzak, the spirit of Yitzak, and Refua le Ain, medicine for the eye. But I want to stick with Mashiach ben Davi, obviously. And um, when I was just kind of looking at this, I'm just understanding that, you know, when we get into the circle of life, <laughs> Lion King, the, the roaring reviews. OK, um, so the circle of life being getting in Torah because Torah is life. If you're obedient to Torah, it's life. If you're disobedient to Torah, it's death. If you are not humble and you're in Torah, it's also death because you actually cause that which is life to become death. So finishing my point, because I want to be respectful to our alarm. I'm, stop, I'm, I'm sorry for rebuking you, alarm. Thank you so much for keeping us on track. You got to talk, talk to her, right? It's like, yeah. no, don't be alarmed. It's okay. But anyway, if we're in the circle of life, we have medicine for our eyes. We have a way to perceive life in the way we're supposed to. And ultimately, we're heralding the coming of Mashiach, which is Yeshua ben David. And we're looking forward to that day where he is crowned king, where there is the final temple, where we're gathered in from the four corners of the earth, and where we get to sing, Great rejoicing in Yehuda and Yerushalayim. So... Baruch Shemo. Anything else you would like to say before we index our time? Well, you know, just that, you know, you have, you're talking about this whole crown, right? On Meshach, where it doesn't have this, this borrowed crown. Mm -hmm. Yeshua ben David. Yes. Because the name is Shmuel, who is king in this time, means this whole idea of, of not Shmuel, but Samuel, has mm -hmm. this whole idea of borrowed. His oh. name means like borrowed. Mm. And that whole crown of thorns that Yeshua wore, oh. right? Yeshua oh. ben David was a borrowed crown because they put it on him. Yeah. But when he comes back, he's he's going to be, you know, like yeah. David, like beloved. Mm. And we're going to be giving him our crowns. And he's going to have a crown given to him. Oh, my goodness. And so it's just like, so, man, I love that. <sighs> the Gilgal drop. <laughs> Yeshua <laughs> ben David. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> what do we know? What do we know? But Baruch Abab is Shem Adonai. Amen. Baruch Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam. Zor Kol HaOlamim. Zadik Bekol HaDorot. HaEl HaNeeman HaOmer Veyose. HaMdaber Umkayem Shekol Devarav Emet Vazerik. Neeman Atahu Adonai Eloheinu. Vene Emanim. Devareka vedavar echad midvareka akor lo yashuv recham ki elek melek neeman verakaman ata baruk ata adonai hael haneeman bekol davarav viskut mashiach yeshua amen amen well so sad that this has to end now but I have thoroughly enjoyed myself so chasis todarabah to you. May Hashem bless you and your household. And to all of our listeners, we'd like to say Shalom, Shavua Tov, and Rosh Hodesh. Tammuz is coming up. So a early Rosh Hodesh Tov to everyone, too. Yes, renew renew, renew the month. Amen. Let's renew, <laughs> renew the month it. like the kingship. Amen. And we're signing off saying Shalom. Shalom.